Good afternoon for another edition of Viking Voices. Today we are joined by head volleyball coach Diane Flick-Williams. Welcome to Viking Voices, Diane. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here. Yeah, so we're going to start it off. We're just going to talk a little bit about your coaching career and when you came to Western. And can you believe it? 21 years. I know that's <laughs> like, it's like, wow. It's like, it probably feels like yesterday, but your, your coaching career can now have a driver's license. Well, isn't it? That's kind of crazy. Yeah, that is a, it doesn't seem like that long, but it's, it's obviously been a long time. Now you came from Western to Western from University of Washington, where you played as a student athlete and had a, but give us a background on how everything came about for you to come to Western and, you know, where we were in your coaching career and just how the opportunity came to be up here in Bellingham and be the head volleyball coach. You know, everything just seems to happen for a reason. So I'm, I just feel very fortunate that I kind of stumbled in on it. You know, I was uh, in my fourth year as an assistant at, at, at UW and uh, loved my alma mater, uh, pledged I was going to be there for eternity. Um, but I was, I was in my sixth week in a row recruiting um, and traveling, and so I didn't have, really had a day off. And um, a, a parent of a player from Western, who I happened to just know through the club system, asked me if I knew anybody um, who would be interested in the Western job because it had just recently been vacated. And so I sat for a second, I go, hmm, I wonder if I could do something like that. And I talked to a couple of colleague friends of mine and just said, well, what do you think? I mean, is that something I can do? I love the Northwest. I want to stay around here. I am exhausted. Um, what, what could I do with my own program? And I think at that time, since I was 28 years old, I thought I could do everything. Uh, not really um, realizing the enormity of it all. But I really did have some great training from our head coach, Bill Neville, because he had me dabble in so many different facets of the, the profession that I had a little bit of my feet wet. So, you know, I just pursued it. And with every step, I got more and more excited about, you know, heading my own program. And, and luckily, Linda Goodrich saw something in me that um, she let the 28-year-old wet-behind-the-year kid um, take over a program. Now you came up to Bellingham and uh, Western was pretty new to the NCAA level moving over to the NAIA. As, as history would have it, you almost equally coincide with the start of the Great Northwest Athletic Conference. I believe there's a one-year buffer, mm -hmm. but uh, GNAC enters its 20th year this year. Kind of cool. Um, hoping that we can, you know, play some games and play some matches, but, you know, the, the GNAC has really taken off and it's become a, a really, really good athletic conference and a really, really good volleyball conference. So that's it's kind of fun that those two line up when you're looking at history. Absolutely. And, I, and I, I've always really appreciated the, the GNAC because um, while us coaches definitely like to compete on the court and we fight like mad against each other, we are a pretty collaborative group to promote our conference. Um, I had this really great story that I read one time about, um, and I'm sure I'll butcher the, the details of it, but the general gist was that this farmer who had the best wheat that there was out there um, shared his recipe with the farmer next door. And someone was like, why would you do that? I mean, they would be in competition and all that stuff. And he said, the better that the wheat is over there as the wind blows and affects my farm, basically the better my wheat becomes. And I really, really thought that was interesting. I think that's kind of how the GNAC works is that we really try hard to promote each other um, because the better we all become, the better the GNAC comes, and it is the better thing for our program. So um, it's, a, it's a really great group to be a part of, um, but no mistaking, we're going to battle on the court. Yeah. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about the Vikings. Um, I'm going to read out some numbers here, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure this is a little bit uncomfortable, but your program has enjoyed just what's considered amazing success. 14 NCAA West Regional appearances, including eight straight, three Final Fours, 10 GNAC championships, you know, 108 consecutive weeks in the national polls. Um, what's been the secret to this success for you, for the program, for the players? How, does Viking, how, how has Viking Volleyball gotten to this level? You know, that's so hard to explain because there's things that are completely out of my control that have contributed and um, I can't claim. Um, I'm also proud of the 100% graduation rate. I think that's another one that I think is, um, is up there too. But, you know, I think there's probably a couple things. Um, one, we've had a lot of continuity in our staff. So, you know, uh, my assistant coach, James, uh, has been with me for, since he was a student assistant back 19 out of the, well, I guess now this would be 20 out of the 21 years. Um, that continuity is so important um, and consistency. Um, I think the other part is the values that we really put into this program that I've had to kind of learn to walk the walk a little bit. So like I said, I started this when I was 28 and, and knew everything. And the most important lesson I learned is that I learned I know nothing at this point now that I'm 48. Um, and being a student all the time is I think what's been really, really important because uh, times have changed, uh, people change, generations change, and through it all, it's so important for us to evolve with it. And, um, and probably the biggest part of the success comes from how it, dealing with more about learning about how to deal with people um, and that evolution rather than the evolution of the actual game itself. There's so many different ways to play this game, and I've seen the most skilled players um, falter in tough times because of the mental side of the game. And I've seen, you know, players who I would never use in a clinic to demonstrate a skill, but they play out their mind at the most crucial times. So it's that part of the game, I think, that has been super important that we focus on for, for success here. One of the really cool things that success aside and academics that you've done so well at is that and I'm still kind of blown away by this stat, is that your, your program is almost entirely homegrown, meaning all but one player since you stepped on campus as our head coach is from the state of Washington, and that player you actually inherited as a recruit. So 99.999% of players that you have recruited and been in your program are from the state of Washington. That's amazing. It's really cool. Um, what's the plan in regards to that process? Um, is it the talent that's in the Northwest? A number of things. But kind of walk us through that because that's very unique and very cool. You know, some things start for one reason and then continue for another. And that's kind of how it evolved. Um, you know, really early on, we were not a fully funded scholarship program. So um, our scholarships grew a lot through um, in-state tuition waivers. So it, it, it really did force me to look in-state. Um, luckily for me, I was also an in-state person. So uh, I'm from Vancouver, Washington, played at the University of Washington, started my own club um, in the Seattle area. So my ties in the state were really deep. Um, so it was a natural place for me to start. Um, and then just kind of as it evolved, um, you know, it's, it's something where there's so much talent in Washington. Um, 
you know, we aren't going to get the player that's going to go to a UW or Washington State, and we're realistic about that. But we certainly can get some really, really good players who are extremely close to that level um, but want to play for maybe a different reason or play for um, just a different look to the game because um, it's a little less of a business and has a little bit more of um, a family to it. Not that they don't at that level, but um, we just have a little bit different timing and different expectations. So, I mean, the talent is just rich in Washington, um, and there really is no reason to leave the borders of it um, when we have too many homegrown people here. Plus, you know, with homegrown people also mean homegrown families who are going to come and watch them play. So it brings in also a natural um, fan base that we really enjoy. Yeah. Um, coming to cover Jim, I know how much families enjoy that. You guys have the photo day every year where – we incorporate families, and it doesn't matter if they're from Colville or from Auburn. Uh, we, we make sure that the families are, are part of your program. Is that another piece of the puzzle that you take a lot of great pride in, is that, you know, we are family? Absolutely. It's one team, one family. Like, we, when we recruit, we don't just recruit the players. We, we look at the entire package that comes with them because, you know, that's 18 years of environment that we need to assimilate into a four to five year process with us. So, um, you know, the families are super important for us and, and we need their support just as much as, you know, their kids need support, um, you know, to be able to help them go through this time of life that, you know, is coming kind of going from their house to being on the, in their own house. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed the families. They're, they're fun to get to know and, um, and the ties run deep, you know, you stay in contact with them even beyond graduation. You've been a part of a lot of great matches over your years as a head coach. Um, walk us through a few of your favorites, some that you might not stick out, whether it's the national championship matches or the regional finals. Do you have a couple that you every once in a while you go, wow, that was pretty amazing, whether it was a comeback win or uh, just kind of an improbable. Walk us through a little bit of the uh, inner thinkings of Coach Flick Williams and uh, some of those special matches. I mean, there's some that are just so – obvious you know the 2018 regional final in our own gym was you know it's indescribable so I'm, I'm going to leave that one to be just you know it kind of speaks for itself um we had one match uh in carver gym i can't remember exactly the year but we were playing um spu um and for some reason with spu we always seem to go five doesn't matter you know where we're at in the standings throughout the year we've gone five with them and in this particular case we were in a fifth set and we were down one to eight in the side change and in my mind i'm half coaching to think of how to get ourselves out of it and other half thinking what the heck am i going to say in the locker room afterwards to spin this for our next training session and Lo and behold, that team came back and won 18-16 in the fifth game, and it was probably the most incredible comeback. And the the fan base in Carver was crazy. Our band like went onto the floor afterwards. It was it was so much fun to be a part of. Um, so that was what really sticks out in my mind. But you know, ironically, the one that that really hits home when I think about you know kind of important matches in my life is one that we lost. So, you know, as I think it was 2017 in the regional final when we were at Cal Baptist, I think that's where we were 2017. 
um, lost that match. And, um, we went in the locker room afterwards and we were there for two hours after the match was over to just be with each other, um, to talk about, um, things we, we should make sure and say that we wouldn't regret not saying later on. Um, it was just that feeling. It was the deepest feeling of family and connectivity. And it really hit home, you know, the culture that we didn't just claim we had, but we're living in the moments, which is obviously, you know, when you're going through toughest times, that's when it gets tested and it was tested and it just felt so good in the worst, you know, it was a horrible loss, but it felt so good to be with those people. And so I wouldn't have traded that moment at all. So that is one of those matches that sticks out in my mind for sure. But yeah. And then there's all those matches that, that people will never know um, because it, it seems like the scores are lopsided or something, but they're like such complete matches that it's just hard for people to understand like how hard that is to do like for three sets fully to get, maintain that, that focus. And I don't know. So a lot of great matches, a lot of great people um, to experience them with. Well, you mentioned it earlier. Let's, let's take us back a little bit to 2018. Um, the Vikings are rolling through the season and completed a perfect season in the GNAC and, uh, you know, the NCA announces the regional host sites. And then I think everyone knows it was close between Western Washington University and Cal State San Bernardino, you know, rivals on the court, rivals off the court. Um, and the NCA is going to announce regional host sites. Uh, Cal State San Bernardino was number one in the ABCA poll. We were number one in the West region, according to the NCA. What was that excitement like in the team room when the NCAA was, you know, putting those up on the board and you saw Western Washington in the graphic of your team in the huddle as a West region host uh, for the first time in Carver gym. And, uh, and just what, what was that feeling like for you and the team? I remember there was tears, but I also remember how much excitement there was. Well, honestly, like the two seconds before I thought I'm going to throw up, like I, that my stomach was in knots um, because I knew it was so close. I mean, there, San Bernardino had, you know, was having just as good of a season. Um, you know, their, their strength of schedule, I mean, we're basically even in that kind of things. I mean, our one saving grace is we played them early in the year um, and, and won that set in five. Um, and I remember the uh, Sonoma coach had said, uh, that looked like a regional final. And lo and behold, here we are going to be playing it again. Um, but as soon as our, our graphic came up, um, it was, it was just elation. It's, it's so hard to describe because, um, you know, we have been a bridesmaid a couple times when it came to hosting the regional um, and we've worked so hard to do it. And this was kind of the team that had been, they had, you know, been to the final four as freshmen. And then as seniors, it was kind of this great, gosh, culmination of what they had put together and, and what they had created. So it was, so many different things, excitement, um, accomplishment, relief, um, but also just lots of pride. And I just felt so good for those uh, seniors who had been just working their tails off to, for that moment. It was, it, there's so many emotions that it was almost like I couldn't contain any of them. So they just came out in tears. And about that regional, I know it must've been a little bit weird for you to wake up in your own uh, home and go to a regional <laughs> after traveling for all the other ones whether it be Alaska or California or even Idaho but those three days of volleyball in Carver gym and the intensity of each match how special was that to host that in in your home and then obviously it came down to a five-set thriller against San Bernardino but 
if you could bottle those three days of volleyball up, I mean, what, what do you remember most about those three days? It, it was such a crescendo, like each day kind of built on the next thing. And it, it was, I think the, the thing that was really exciting for me was to see the, the community come out more and more with each night. Uh, introducing people to our program and to the sport sometimes and um, just seeing people um, wanting to be a part of it and um, supporting the efforts of our players. Um, I mean, when it got to that regional final, I mean, we gave, obviously it was a great show at five sets and it was, you know, highly contested and to see 1600 people in our gym um, support that and, in cheering for, I mean, it was, it, it was incredible. Um, and I thought every match that was played um, by all teams were tough matches. I mean, it was, it was great volleyball in and of itself. So um, it was quite an experience and, and, and being home just kind of put the cherry on top of, of the, the Sunday. It was, it was incredible. Going off track a little bit, tell us about your background as a student athlete at UW. Um, I'm going to say it, go Cougs. I know you're a Husky, but um, two good volleyball <laughs> programs, obviously. Bite your tongue. <laughs> but uh, who were some of your mentors, um, you know, whether it be as when you were playing and you looked up, looked up to, and then how did you get into coaching? How did that all come about that eventually led for you to uh, be here at Western? You know, again, everything seems to be like, something that's meant to be, or you fall into it or luck or whatever. Uh, and that includes getting to UW. Um, you know, I didn't play club volleyball until my senior year after I had committed to UW, which I know is unheard of nowadays. And I, that is an olden day kind of thing. So I, I fully appreciate that. Um, but the head coach at the time had only been there for a year. She was an assistant at Oregon. And that's where she saw me at the state volleyball tournament, which was the only time I had gone to state was my junior year in high school. Um, I was a pretty raw athlete. Um, so I really appreciate that Debbie UC put some faith into me. And the, the ironic thing is she didn't recruit me for the position I was playing. She recruited me to train me as a setter, which, um, you know, that was, I, I remember sitting in the Space Needle and having my, you know, dinner and they said, we want you to, to come to UW and and we went, like to bring you as a setter. And then I started laughing. And then apparently that wasn't the joke. So um, I said, um, okay, if that's what you want to do. But, you know, that's, um, so I ended up there. And so I really appreciated her as my, my a coach that took a chance on me. Um, Dwayne Storty, who is actually a professor of mechanical engineering, was a volunteer coach and, and actually taught me how to set. Um, and he was really instrumental in, of, um, you know, being patient with somebody who was really raw, um, not only physically, but emotionally too, uh, trying to learn a new skill. Um, and then my, during my junior year, Bill Neville, who is my ultimate mentor and guru, um, he, what, he was, became our coach during that time. And um, he was like a, a second father figure to me, which I needed. And he was just somebody who uh, taught me uh, he obviously taught me the game, but his biggest lessons for me was um, about everybody having a story, how to deal with people, um, something I don't think I was very good at. I don't think I was a very good teammate during that time, which I, is pretty funny because how much I harp on people being good teammates nowadays. Um, 
And then I left for a little while after I graduated. I left and, and tried a big girl job, I guess. And, uh, but I started a club because just coaching just was something that just kept – I loved doing camps. I loved – you know, I loved teaching. I was going to go into teaching, but they didn't have an undergraduate teaching degree. Um, so I kind of was a little lost when I got done. And so he called me up and said, hey, I'm looking for what they call at that time a restricted earnings coach. So you can imagine how much money I was going to make. Uh, during that time but I said sure I mean if you can't find anybody but you know I'll, I'll do it through the end of the year just so that you can find somebody that you really want um, and then it just I never left and so he was just someone who um, you know got me started he taught me um, what I think in, for me is the right way for me to coach which is to really look at the person that's playing rather than just the playing it took me a little while through my evolution to really you know, balance that well. Um, but he, I, I'm where I am today because he took a chance and, and, and invested in me. And then I think the, the, the person who's been really instrumental for my career was Linda Goodrich, um, you know, first for hiring me um, here at Western. But, um, you know, her being a long-term basketball coach, she knew what it was like um, and, and mentored me as a young female coach. And um, her lessons were huge and deep for me as well. So I've had some, been really lucky to be involved with some great people. Um, but a lot of that stuff is just because it fell into my lap. So I, I'm very, very lucky, but will never uh, not be appreciative of those times with those people. Yeah, some good, some good stories there. And uh, I'm sure that we can dig up some photos someday of you at UW and have some fun with that as well. Oh, no. I mean, I have them, but man, I just want to say if you do, that was the style and my <laughs> friends didn't tell me any different. So I just want to just throw that out there. Let's get back to the Vikings. Um, you know, you've had 11 of the G 19 GNAC players of the year, countless all Americans. This is an interesting question. And I know it's hard because you don't want to leave anyone out and we don't need an, you thought about a, a dream Vikings starting lineup and oh, what gosh. that might look like and how awesome it would be to see that team on the court. I mean, whether you know, it be Abby or, you know, you got, I mean, just in the last five years, you can put together a dream team, but you've had some amazing players. Um, you ever sit back and just think about what they've meant to you and, and what they've been able to accomplish on the court? You know, that's what I'm saying is like, they are amazing. They've all been singled out because they all bring a unique quality to what it is that they do. So it's really, you can't, you can't compare and contrast uniqueness. So I could take a little piece that made this person unique and a little piece for that made this person unique and, and put them together. And that would be my dream team, I guess. But, and they've all provided so many different things that you just can't equate sometimes. So, you know, if I'm thinking like, okay, of course you think of Kaylee Harper, she's, she was amazing this year, you know, and, and it was an amazing middle. And then I go back and think, Man, Megan Evoy, who was my first recruit, who held the record as a middle for career kills up until Abby Beater in 2018, well, man, she's way different than Kaylee, but she was amazing, you know, so, and, and for, for different reasons, you just had this, I mean, it's just, they're, they're too unique to put together one lineup because they all have a special quality about them. And that even goes for their support roles, like they're good. And they're good for a reason, but they're also good because the people around them did their jobs too um, and maybe just didn't get the recognition. So 
Um, this is probably my best political way of not picking. So how did I do on that one? <laughs> you did great. Well, one of the, when I talked to a lot of players the last couple of years, and since I've gotten to know them, they've all talked about the sisterhood or the camaraderie or the, the playing for the people that played before you. And I know that you have the numbers project, I believe in your locker room and the team room. Mm -hmm. um, how much emphasis and how important is it to, to realize, you know, the, the, the path that was paved before every player. And what does that numbers project mean to you when you see an alum come in there and sign their name next to the Jersey number they wore? You know, it, you have to appreciate your history. And I think those, one of the great players that you see in different sports, um, one of the commonalities they have is they know the history of their sport um, and, and appreciate those things. Um, and that's why I think it's really important for our, for our current players to understand who came before them and what, what they've been able to pave the way so that um, they know they're standing on the backs of others, but they also have the opportunity to create their own niche themselves for players to, to lean on in the future. So, you know, one of the questions we always ask them is, what is going to be your legacy when you leave? And, and work towards that vision every single day. I mean, like I said, every player is very, very unique. Um, so what we try to do in our program is really not try to make people robots, but to expose their uniqueness and, and let that be their biggest strength. Um, and when they do that, that, that lets them be free to be themselves. Um, and so the sisterhood is just like you would find in any family. I mean, people can grow up in a household and be, look completely different and act differently but man, if you try to challenge that person in your, in your family, if someone comes outside and says something to them, nope, the whole army comes through. Um, and I, I've seen that really recently um, during this time of COVID. I, it's been one of the bright spots and some, uh, sometimes a dim moment. Um, but we've had some, some former players, some alumni that have had to go through some hard times during, during this difficult time. And it's been the rally of their you know, teammates who have tried to help them get through it. And that just, that warms my heart every time I think about it. And that's what I wanted to build when I came here to Western 21 years ago. That's awesome. We've talked a lot about the success of the program on the court, um, and, but I wanted to shine some light. You mentioned the academic success rate and the graduation rate at 100%. You've had ABCA team academic awards, GNAC, all academic team members and contributing heavily to the community. One of the things that I always hear about from family and friends in the community is your, your volleyball clinics on Saturday morning and how awesome that is. And to see those um, young volleyball players wearing t-shirts that they get or uh, pictures of them dancing in the middle of the court. What's the, what, what is the importance the program places on those aspects? The, the whole student athlete, the academics, the time management, the community aspect, the giving back. Um, I'm pretty sure you're going to say it's a lot, but what does it mean to you and to the program and to the university? It, I mean, we're, we're here to, you know, um, be mentors for younger kids too. We have so many responsibilities. Uh, we have responsibility to our universities investing in us. So we need to, to make sure and, and, and advance the mission of the university. So we have an obligation and we have a community that supports us. So we, we have an obligation to, to, um, you know, be a part of that community and make sure that we take care of it uh, as much as we want the support from them. Um, you know, really a lot of this kind of stems from our recruiting process. You know, we definitely like to go get, um, you know, blue chip players who play well in the court. Um, but that's about 40% of our process. You know, the other 60% is really vetting 
are they the kind of people who fit into the values that our program or university or community has so they can contribute to it? Um, you know, nobody's going to just kind of slide through here. You got to work hard. You got to contribute to your surroundings. And um, that includes a lot of different places. And, and we don't just turn on and off the switch when we're on the court. It, you have to be good and disciplined and hardworking in your academics. And you got to do that same thing in the community. And, um, you know, I just think it's, a, it's an all around um, character thing for our players. Um, and it's something we think is super important. And, you know, it's funny how, you know, people think as we contribute to the, the community, especially with those kids clinics, I'm telling you, we come out of those clinics probably with more than maybe we gave the kids just because they would warm our hearts so much. They are, they're um, so excited to see, you know, these big girls playing volleyball and they're paying attention to me and, and, and man, what a great feeling that you're able to touch a kid's life and, and be that person in that moment they may need. I mean, how, how exciting and how special to be a part of something like that. Well, kind of piggybacking off that, one of the unique things about your program, and I, I always thought this was awesome, but when we were back in Pittsburgh, I was telling the announcers that every true freshman registers mm -hmm. under Diane. Um, and they like looked at me kind of funny. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's kind of part of the program. It's a, it's a development tool. Talk about that and how, how much beneficial you've seen to that. I know that you've had players even last year, May, get their master's as part of this rollout plan with their academics and how you're able to kind of bridge that gap between high school and being a college student and being a college student athlete. Talk, talk a little bit about that and how that works for your program and how you think that benefits uh, your program. Again, it's another one of those things that started for one reason and it's continuing for a different reason. Um, you know, I just – it's really hard for me to, you know, I'm a parent, right, you know, of a 14-year-old. So I'm, I'm watching as she's growing and, and how much people need to learn. And, and, and it's really hard to think that um, I'm going to bring in a freshman. Uh, we'll, we'll do two a days for two weeks, and then we have, like, two more practices. Okay, now start competing at the college level. It just – there's so much more that they need to get acclimated to. And, and it just, it, it doesn't seem right to do that so quickly. Um, you know, they've got a social change, um, leaving their parents' house and academic change is going to be accelerated. The volleyball is going to be accelerated. Everything is so, so much bigger that we just, and, and physically, you know, they've been playing club ball for a long time and pounding their bodies on sport court on cement um, and, and they need and without necessarily the, the most proper preparation and training for that. So it, it just makes sense to us. Um, and we're in a system where we can do this, um, to get them more prepared for their first year and, and allow them, um, to have a good first quarter academically. So they're not training, they're not traveling, they're not competing and worrying about that part. They're really just worried about getting fit. Um, and contributing to the team and understanding what we're a part of um, in that first go around. And it's been really, really successful for us because, um, you know, the trade-off is a, a first year, freshman year to a fifth year season veteran um, who kind of knows a little bit more of who they are and, you know, just has, has more of their, their feet underneath them. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been a good process. The other part I keep asking too for people is like, why are we hurrying up? 
you know, um, I know that it was, it's customary four years, you know, when I was in college, you know, you four years and you're done. If you want a fifth year, it's like, what was wrong with you? Um, but nowadays uh, academics are, are taking five years or you can be like May who can, if you came in with running start and you finish and you can get your master's degree there. I keep telling our players that you don't rush through life so fast because you know, you, you get done, let's say you're 22 or 23 and you start your career and you're in your career for 10 years and you're 33, uh, you got a long way, you still got about 30, 40 years before you're done and you've got to, you know, you can't go back and say, gosh, I just want that one more year of college volleyball back. It's not going to be there. So take advantage of the time you have now, be present and stay in that moment while you got it. And you have plenty of time to live in your career. So I don't know. It's just, it's been beneficial for us. Every person that has redshirted uh, has gone into their fifth year going, thank goodness I did. And then my early on people, <laughs> there's a couple of them. I can think of Angie Thorpe, who, Angie Alver was her name uh, when she was playing for me. She always said, you should have redshirted me. So, you know, I, I get it from both ends. Um, but it's, it's a good process for us. I think it, it really works just because um, our, our main goal is in the best interest of the student-athlete, and I think that enhances their experience. That's awesome. Well, it's a great program. Uh, we're going to start having a little fun here uh, to end the podcast. But uh, first, I have <laughs> one last question. You know, you're known, uh, whether it be in spring drills or early drills, to breaking up the monotony of all the hard work. Um, what, are, what are some of the favorite things that you've done with this team, whether it be an amazing race for conditioning or dressing up for Halloween with the women's basketball team? There's a lot of them, but do you have a favorite uh, activity that you've done with a team that just makes you kind of laugh? You know, I, okay, so um, my favorite part about coaching is creativity. So I don't, I, uh, it may be that um, I do some, some things for my own personal ent entertainment rather than um, training. Uh, I always enjoy Olympic years, whether it's the Summer Olympics or the Winter Olympics. Um, we've obviously done some training uh, with those. You were one of our torch bearers one year, Jeff. So we yes. appreciate that. Um, but that one to me is always kind of the most fun because um, there are so many different events and trying to apply them creatively um, has been really fun. And the winter one is probably even more fun just because, you know, there's no snow inside. Um, so, you know, taking a laundry bin and making it into a bon bobsled was um, pretty entertaining. <laughs> Um, but yeah, those are, I mean, it's just fun to create, um, because I think what happens is I kind of make a framework, um, and then the players get even more creative within it. And so it's so fun to see them, um, add to the ambiance and buy into this being a fun time. So, you know, this has got to be fun. If it's not fun, it's not worth doing. One of my favorite things I see pictures in your office is the, the, the dinner where you guys do the mystery series and how much yeah. the team gets into that and Gosh darn it, hopefully we can get to a situation where you can do that again, because I always enjoy those stories. How did that come about, and how much fun do you all have doing that? You know, it, it really came about because one of our alumni did a mystery dinner with some of our other alumni. So they got together as a group, and, and they put it together, and I was like, man, that sounds really fun. And one of the people who had attended that, um, Sam Hutchinson, who, uh, not Sam Olson, she just recently got married, um, she was a part of it. And so we were just discussing it. She was our grad assistant. And, uh, you know, there's these kits out there that you can have for massive amounts of people. Um, and we put our first one together and it was a lot of fun. And so it's like, well, maybe we'll try this again. And as, as we've done it again, it's just, you know, it's great to see people again, um, 
buy into it, be creative, um, get into character, um, solve problems. You know, the, the fun part about those, um, those kits is that you get to see the, the character's personality. And so you kind of match them up with the people that we have. And it, it's just, it's just so much fun and they, they enjoy being together. And that's, that's the thing that's, you know, probably even if I didn't have that to put together, they just like being around each other. So, you know, I just get to add a little bit of a, you know, flair to it. And, and, and they're, they're, they're really fun. And the pictures that come out of it are amazing. They're just fun. They're pretty good. All right. Well, let's go to a little bit of a lightning round. Some, uh, some light, hard hitting questions here. You ready? Well, you know me, Jeff, I'm not very succinct. So I, I wish you the, the best on this. <laughs> all right. What is your favorite movie of all time? One that I can watch over and over, A League of Their Own. I don't know why, but every time it comes on TV, I find myself watching it and, and enjoying it. I think it's time for a remake of that movie, huh? What do you think? For sure. Yeah. All right. Family question here. If you were to sit down and watch TV at night with the family, who has the remote? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it, but I do. I really do. Yeah. Not Max. No, no. Man, if Max had it, then we would be able to watch TV again. He'd chew it up. Now, what kind of dog is Max and how old? Uh, Max is going to be four November. He's a beagle. Um, he, is, uh, he likes his own voice. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> All right. What is the go-to restaurant for you, Laura, and Chase here in, uh, in Bellingham? We've always enjoyed uh, La Fiamma with Fire Pizza. Um, we love their Grecian formula, and Chase loves their pasta and cheese pizza. Um, but it always has to be followed up with Mallard's ice cream. Like, that's kind of the combo we put together. And, yeah, those are great. Those that's a great combo. That's a good doubleheader right there. Mm -hmm. All right. You were on a road trip to watch Chase play softball, and we know she's really getting into it. Uh, what is your go-to fast food stop? I know it's probably not a – question that Damien or Julie really want to hear about fast food, but what's your go-to got to get some food on the road? Besides Baskin and Robbins, because we don't have any more in Bellingham, like that's, you see the ice cream theme. Uh, big fans of Mod Pizza. Ooh. So I think that's something that we can, we can hit all the time and get, uh, have some variety. Uh, you're a big quote person. What's one of your favorite <laughs> go-to quotes as of late? This is probably like my all-time favorite is we repeat what we don't repair. I think that is just a huge, probably in my evolution as a person and, and as a coach to self-reflection is sucky at times. It doesn't feel good, um, but you're obviously reflecting for a reason. So repair what it is that's, that's broken. It's a great one. I'm going to write that down on my quote board. Um, <laughs> dream vacation spot. That's hard. Um, Cause I see pictures of places and it's pretty cool, but I'm not, I don't really like the traveling part of it. Uh, our family does a lot of Disneyland, Disney world, universal studios kind of vacation. So I, I love those um, just because of the memories they bring, but the place I've never been that I probably would love to go to is probably Australia. I just think that there's, there's some great things there that I think would be fun to explore. Um, if I'm willing to sit on a plane that long which yeah. that one's kind of hard for me. And right yeah. now, obviously, nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> You're also a big uh, fan of Central Oregon. I know you go visit your sister down in the Bend area, too. So maybe, maybe that could be your, uh, your other 
dream destination spot? Absolutely. Yeah, it's fun to see family and uh, my sister's right on the Deschutes River. So I just plunk my kayak down and let, her, let myself float. Yeah, it's beautiful down there. All right, favorite GNAC road trip? <laughs> Wherever we are coming home. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, gosh. You know, I, I, I like going to Alaska. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a good road trip. It's a great bonding time. Um, you know, and depending on the time of the year, you get something different. Um, so that was great. But, but honestly, I love coming home. So wherever we're at, uh, as soon as we get on that plane or on that bus to come home, that's my favorite part of the trip. I'm going to throw you a little bonus question here. It kind of came up, but uh, your team is always known for traveling in the preseason, Florida, Minnesota, you've gone and played the best. This has been something that you've always done. Um, what has your team's gotten out of those trips to Florida when you play Tampa when they're number one, when you play West Florida, when you play Wheeling, when you play Concordia um, in St. Paul? What are those early season road trips? How, how has that positioned your team for the success they've had? I think the one word to describe is just perspective. Um, you know, we, we really want to be uh, a national contender. Um, and we know what kind of competition um, we get in the GNACA that's going to be tough um, night in and night out. But we have to kind of look beyond our own borders to see what's out there and where we need to go and, and what is that final destination. So I think it was around like 2006 or so. Um, I, I wanted to just wherever I would wait, watch the national championship match. And when that team would finish, I would immediately call that coach and go, Hey, are you hosting a tournament? Cause I just, I just feel it's important. Um, Cause I think up until that time we thought we were, we were good, but you know, those other teams are better. And it was important for us to see, you know, we have those pieces um, and we can be at that level. Um, we have to train for it. We have to work hard for it, but you just have to believe that it's possible. Um, and so when we go to those tournaments at the beginning, um, you know, probably if you took the first weekend of my career, you'd see the worst record ever. Um, we don't win a lot. Uh, we have, or we haven't, I guess. It's a lot of times we have a lot, some of our losses, but man, it's the best learning experience we're ever going to get out of it. Um, and, and, and to see those teams that are better than us at that time, what do we need to do to be um, just as good, if not better than them by the end of the season? I should have asked that a lot earlier, but that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Cause I, I'm always, when I see your schedule come out every year, I'm like, all right, who are they going to play this year early on? It's a lot of fun <laughs> to, to see you go up against uh, the best teams early on. Um, last question, favorite pro sports team. Oh man, that's really hard too. Cause sports are just anything that's on at the moment. I get pretty excited about. Uh, I'm pretty excited about the the storm. I think uh, you know they're a really fun team to watch. They're really talented. Um, you know they have really strong women on that team who um, uh, speak a good message, and um, so I, it's it's really exciting to watch them. But I'm also kind of excited about um, some of the softball that's coming on TV too. I'm a big softball fan as well. Um, uh, some of it is not necessarily the pro team. They have that, that um, Athletes United that's on right now that has um, kind of the, the teams that get drafted. And I think that's a really interesting concept too, that they're actually going to be applying to volleyball as well. Um, so um, I guess the appropriate answer would be my team, but I guess we're not pro. So um, 
Gosh, if you pin me down, I'll just I'm just gonna say the storm at this point just because I like what I, I, I love it, man. They are they are fun to watch. Absolutely. Um, I mean I love watching them. Um they're just they're cohesive, they're dynamic, they're um, they're having fun out there and it's been, you know, I, I'm sure all of us during this time, any sports on TV right now is welcome. I'm, I'm a big golf fan, but I've been watching a lot of golf and that's not something I usually do just because I want to see action. And uh, yeah. it's been pretty neat. And, I, and uh, you know, there's a lot of work to be done, um, but we cannot wait until we see the Vikings back on the court, whether it be in the spring um, or just practice coming up at the end of the month. And I know that when your team gets back on the court, they're going to be ready. So thank you for joining us. And Viking Voices, always a good time to catch up with you. And uh, go Vikes. Uh, go Vikes, Jeff. Thank you so much. All right.